I always wondered if marketing lives in the heart or in the head. Should you trust your instinct or your integers? Often the answer is both, but should you lead with one more than the other? So bring your heart and your head and join us in the conversation. This week, which I thought was appropriate for our first episode, it is a first date, if you will. I am joined by the lion-hearted CMO of OKCupid, Melissa Hobley. Melissa Hobley is a leading expert on brand building. She has a reputation for marrying powerful brand marketing with data-driven digital advertising in bold and breakthrough ways that jumpstart brands and create measurable value. Melissa is currently the Global Chief Marketing Officer at OKCupid, one of the largest dating apps in the entire world. As the first CMO at OKCupid, she has made the brand famous for its message of inclusion and progressive advertising. It's always cutting edge. It's always breaking barriers. Prior to OKCupid, Melissa was the VP of Marketing for Walgreens and the CMO of Biology. Melissa also happens to be a client of Mechanism, and together we've created some amazing progressive work that's moved the needle for her business. Most recently, out-of-home campaign, Every Single Person, which was the first ad campaign to ever mention pansexuality. In this episode today with Melissa, we're going to interrogate the question, does moral capital lead to business capital? Hi, Melissa. Welcome to Soul and Science. Uh, thank you for that amazing intro and congrats on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited. I want to know how you uh, got started in marketing and how you found your way to OKCupid. I think you've been there almost five years now, correct? Yeah, which in marketing is like seven lifetimes. I am an accidental marketer. I was a political science major and I was going to go to law school and work for the state or working campaigns. And I did a ton of internships and I did a PR internship, honestly, because it was across the street from my dorm apartment on the Upper West Side. And like two weeks in, I was like, what is this world of public relations and marketing? I love it. It is a little sharky, a little fun, a little smart, a little savvy. And that was it. I was on the comms marketing path and I I never looked back. I love love the happenstance marketer because I think when you're growing up and trying to find yourself and what your passions are, it's very rare that what you go to school for, you end up doing. So, all right, let's turn to OKCupid now. Moral capital and business capital. That's the theme uh, for this episode. It's hard to measure, but how do you think about this idea of progressiveness and inclusivity and building that? You guys have a very clear message and a very clear vision. You know what the soul of the brand stands for. How do you translate that into you know, the science of success, the business side? How do you make sure that that moves the needle and gets you the downloads and the users and the revenue? How do, how do you see that, that soul of the brand informing uh, the business success? Yeah. Well, I love that question because I just think we don't talk about that a lot enough in business and in marketing. And so I think it's awesome that you're thinking about these topics and you're exploring it on this podcast, first of all. Um, uh, And I think if more businesses gave that some thought, they'd thrive, their employees would be happier, they wouldn't have retention issues, they'd be able to hire better, all the things. Um, I I think that we 
we had to make it that way. I came in and OkCupid never had a marketing campaign, a brand campaign. They had like nine followers on Twitter and Instagram. It, it was it was not a function they had built out. And they didn't have to initially because OkCupid was created by two Harvard math grads who were really smart and very socially, civically, politically engaged humans who who thought technology should help me find a person in the same way that it's helping me like find a car. And the magic of the brand was that they had taken a stance on issues and they enabled you to filter your matches on the things that you cared about. They had never talked about that really. And they had never amplified that or said, what if we leaned into that more? What if we responded faster to things happening in the world. And so when you start working somewhere, and in some ways it's easier, in some ways harder to just start from scratch, you say, well, what is it that actually makes OkCupid different? You know, when we paid attention to the data and we paid attention to what daters were telling us, they were all saying, I've never had deal breakers as important as they are now. And if you're 20 something, you don't even want to match with someone that doesn't believe that climate change is real. And you don't want to match with someone that doesn't support Black Lives Matter. What was amazing is when we started paying attention to that, there was a lot of conversation about reproductive rights. And one of the first things we did was part of Planned Parenthood and create a pro-choice filter on the product and made it very easy to signal if you're pro-choice, that's a relevant issue if you're a dater, if you're single, right? When I looked at Twitter that morning at the from like, you know, 11 followers, we had added a couple thousand in like a day. And then the next day we added more, the next day we added more. And then we started to see it in the business. And then we started to see it in perception. And so it just became um, a building block. You know, today, OkCupid is a real player and, and, a, and one of the biggest dating apps in the world. And we have been loud and proud and bold about bring your issues to your dating app, pun intended. That brings depth, that brings substance, and it is also like an ingredient to a successful relationship. Yeah. And the other dating apps have not jumped into that. So we're just we're just running with it and, you know, listening to what people are talking about, what they care about. You know, we were the first dating app to add a vaccine badge and mechanism, and you were involved in that personally. And that was an amazing thing to be doing, you know, Zooms with the White House talking about how we can help get out the vaccine. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh. I think, I think there's two, when I, we work with a, a ton of brands in our experience and I think there's some brands that, you know, we might pitch a progressive campaign or a campaign that takes a stand. And there's a lot of hesitancy even today to sort of piss off one group or another. And they feel like that might hurt their revenue. And so they sort of aim to go down the middle uh, there's that. Then on the flip side, when we're working with newer D2C brands that are built by engineers, right? Like OkCupid was ultimately, there's a lack of understanding of marketing and it's more tactical than building that sort of sole part of the brand. Did you have to fight to say, hey, we are going to take a stand uh, you know, internally? And did you have to like push off of the engineering driven part of it uh, to say this, look, this is marketing and it's going to work. And if we piss off this many people, we're going to appeal to more people this way. How did you have to navigate that or was it, was it fairly easy at OKQ? Um, I started small and I think I built some trust with the, my CEO and with our, the larger organization. 
I also came prepared with the data. Here's what we're seeing in our own product. Here's what we're seeing in social. Here's how other brands have gone from not a player to relevant. Here's how we get people to talk about us. And again, the beauty was the product truth was there that we weren't just saying it. We have 16 million answers on gun control alone. We could look at what are people talking about? What are they responding to? What's getting people together, literally? And, you know, we had great partners like you all. Mechanism was incredibly instrumental in helping us say, we have a different point of view and we want to go where other people are not going. But, but it's all based on like how people are really talking. Like, you know, like one of the lines we came up with together was it's okay to choose not to date someone who isn't pro-choice. It's okay to be into NPR and BDSM. Like, you know, you guys helped us bring this kind of drive and passion and mission um, to life. And that was important too. So also I think I built trust in the organization by doing good work thanks to the team at Mechanism. You know, I'm always an advocate for agencies. I think brands are so talented and they have rich departments internally, but it's that outside perspective as if we're a member of the audience and how do we view this brand? The story you're trying to tell is what brand is. Reputation is what the audience tells you your brand is. And your reputation, when you're internal, you might think your brand is perceived away because you're surrounded by people that are working for this brand. The audience outside will really tell you what your brand stands for. And it might be beyond your customers or why you're not getting some customers because they see your brand uh, differently. But I've, I've never seen a brand um, not take chances and have it pay off yeah. in terms of be, doing bold work. Because even if the bold work backfires in some way, you get traction and you get noticed and you get relevancy. And with such ADD out there, you, you've got, if you're going to spend money and build something, you better have a point of view. And if you don't, it's going to just be wallpaper. And I think that's really important for brands to know what they stand for. You never lose when you have another perspective come in or say, hey, here's the direction. One of the cool things that Mechanism did for OkCupid was come up with this idea of doing Valentine's Day cards, like how real people talk. We looked into that and, and representing real people, we looked into it and we're like, yeah, Valentine's Day cards are cis, hetero, white old, weird, mushy, like weird, mushy in a way, like only a serial killer would give someone a card <laughs> that says that, like, are you trying to take all my money? And, and, um, and we, we did those cards with you all last year. I mean, you use these, ama- you know, amazing queer, non-binary artists of color around the world. And, um, and the response was so positive that we're turning him back on with, with you all in God, like another week. Part of OkCupid okay is you have a really wide tent and say, however you want to engage, however you want to interact, whether you're looking for love or you're looking for fun, or if you're looking for multiple partners, whatever it might be, we're here for it. Versus, you know, those dating apps that might be like, this is for marriage. This is for hookup. This is for, you know, specialized in this audience. Is that ever a hindrance? Um, 
on the whole, it's worked for us, especially because uh, what we're learning more about gender and orientation and um, how fluid these things are. And and COVID has been fascinating. We have, you know, to give you one data point, um, there's been an 84% increase in daters in OkCupid that identify as pansexual. That is unheard of. Like we never see those kinds of increases. And part of what's driving that was COVID made people kind of go away and say, hang on, like, you know, how do I really identify yeah. and, who, and who am I attracted to? And, and the rise in pansexuality is a little bit of, of a rejection of, you know, um, bisexual says I'm attracted to both men and women, but it excludes people that are non-binary. And so more and people are saying, well, I'm pansexual because I would be attracted to someone who has they, them pronouns. It is actually about the person, not about the gender. The gender, yeah. Um, and so because, you know, I, I think OkCupid has just been really well positioned because we're learning so much about, and, and every day I learn something new about uh, how people are connecting and falling in love or attracted or like what's driving the spark. And and also it's we take it I can't even state how seriously we take that you come in, whether you're trans, you're non-binary, you're young, you're old, you're short, you're tall, you're atheist, you're devout Orthodox Jewish, that you are affirmed. If you are creating a big tent, but small tables where you can find your people and and maybe today you are feeling this, but tomorrow you're feeling more like this. Well, we got that too. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I feel like it's sort of a statement on how the world should behave. The challenge sometimes is there's so much work to do. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to figure out where to put the hours and where to put the time cuz there's so much that needs to be fixed and corrected. And maybe because you you guys are focused on this idea of inclusion and you choosing, does that allow you to understand what you want to support and what you don't want to support and you try not to boil the ocean and attack every progressive issue? Like how do you how do you sort of narrow cast so you're focused and you're not running? Yeah, it's hard. Over? It is hard. And I can feel your pain because I think you guys probably get a lot of requests to jump into things and help out with stuff. When we're debating something to get involved in, we'll look at how relevant is this issue to our daters. So with Black Lives Matter, um, we saw that conversation happening and we saw people proactively putting at the top of their profile, I support BLM, please swipe left if you don't. And so we wanted to make it sexy. We wanted to encourage it. Uh, we wanted to help drive that to, you know, how do we light that on fire? And, uh, and so, you know, we, I remember having a conversation on a Sunday morning and we, we hijacked the product roadmap uh, to turn on a Black Lives Matter badge, but also work with NAACP, donate a million dollars in ad space to nonprofits fighting the fight for racial equity and justice. So we look at what what our daters care about and think about and what they're talking about. We also, you know, with issues like reproductive rights, that is a real thing that you may encounter if you're dating and you're single and you're sleeping with a guy and a pregnancy play takes place. Knowing how someone stands on that issue is important. It comes back to the audience. So you're using the data, the science from the audience to determine what purpose to focus on because it resonates with them versus your individual desires or your team's desires. You're really letting the audience dictate what's important uh, to some extent. How do I put the power in her hands or their hands or his hands from Delhi to Denver 
to Paris, to uh, Detroit. All right. I have two, two quick last questions for you and we're, we're wrapping up here. Um, one is uh, sort of an open-ended one, but from your vantage point and what you see, what do you think the future of dating looks like? Is it, is it where we are now? Is it, um, you know, sort of filtering people more before you meet them? Is it meeting more people? Is it any, any sense on where you see, you know, the next couple of years of dating trending towards? Uh, people did a lot of video dating in COVID and whether it was a FaceTime or a Zoom or WhatsApp call, whatever it was. And that's going to stick around this idea that, wow, my time is precious. I'm so happy I can get back out there, but I'm also being a little careful with my time. I'm going to like, let's get on a video chat first to see if that thing is there. And that's, that's advice I always gave to people before the pandemic was have a phone call or a video date first. You're going to get a really good idea if like, like there's a there's a connection there and you might say let's not meet next week let's meet Saturday or you might say yeah thank you very much I love that all right last question I know you believe this to be true but I guess for other CMOs listening or for the audience out there the idea of of moral capital leading to business capital and how you would sort of feel with your experience at OKCupid of how how that works and how other brands might think about that mm. How powerful is your business capital without moral capital? Having moral capital is one of the single ingredients that catapulted OKCupid from a very challenging position to incredibly relevant, number one in certain countries around the world, producing a tremendous lift on revenue and margin and most importantly, helping people find their person by investing in moral capital on our side and encouraging our users to share what matters to them. I love that. This has been really fun. Thank you for all your insights and time. It's It's been amazing. This was the best first date. Thank you, Jason. What a great episode with Melissa Hobley. She's a client of mine. She's fun to talk to. And I think we really learned through her experience that moral capital does lead to business capital. It does lead to business results. And that mechanism, that's something we're going to continue to push our clients for. Thanks so much for listening to Soul and Science. And we'll see you next week. Soul and Science is a mechanism podcast produced by the amazing Frank Driscoll. Ryan Tillotson, Tyler Nielsen, Emma Swanson, and Sophie Marone, with theme music by Kyle Merritt. I'm your host, Jason Harris. Mm-hmm.